a lot of the things I now use in the light leaks, it kind of just came together where I was like, I'm already ranting about this online. I'm already talking about it in person. When I talk to this with other female filmmakers, they feel better and seen. So like, how can I put that in one place? Mm-hmm. So the light leaks started taking shape is just first like, oh, maybe I'll just put some interviews there and like maybe spotlight young talent. And then it kind of just grew into like having an online store and events and like a stronger editorial presence. You're listening to Chats with Kat, where I catch up with my fellow millennials every week to share their journey of self-actualization, overcoming fear, and paving the way for a soul's purpose to shine through. Let's start that right here, right now. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Chats with Kat. I'm so glad to be back. I took a bit of a break throughout April And I feel super refreshed and really excited about the show and what's to come. There's a lot coming. There are a lot of life updates that I want to share with you all. And (laughs) it's it's going to require a shift in the show, but I'm really excited and I'm sure that you all will appreciate where this is going. I think that you will all be happy for the journey that I'm about to embark on. And I think that as I hope you feel in all the other episodes, you will start to see yourself in this journey and that will unfold in the coming weeks. But (laughs) in the meantime, I'm excited to share a really dope interview that I had with Kim Hoyos, the founder of The Light Leaks. This is a amazing community that she founded for female filmmakers and non-gender conforming folks. She is a true talent she has a vision she's truly connecting with people within her generation and is starting to raise awareness around creating diversity within filmmaking spaces and i'm really grateful that i got a chance to sit down with her we also touched on mental health awareness and creativity and just the overall scope of what it means to be in this industry she's just somebody that is very inspiring and she's so young and is just so fired up and it's exciting to know that there are individuals like Kim who are out there in the world really trying to spread their light and their message and I really hope that what she shared resonates with you and as always if there's anything shared in the episode please go ahead and send it to somebody that you think would really appreciate it and that could use this information because you know sharing is caring and um yeah I'm really excited to be back and without any further delay here's my chat with Kim Hi, Kim. Thank you so much for sitting down to chat with me today. I'm super glad to be here with you. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really excited. Me too. We've been working on this for a while. (laughs) I feel like I always have the hardest time like getting a date down with everybody because our schedules are so crazy, especially here in New York. So I'm glad we made it. (laughs) Yeah, we did it. (laughs) Yeah, I've been meaning to talk to you for a while. You're doing such cool stuff and I want to explore your journey and I really hope that you're story and everything that you're doing inspires some filmmakers that are listening to the show for starters i want to dive into where you grew up yeah so i actually grew up in parsippany new jersey which is where i live now um it's northern new jersey it's about 45 minutes away from manhattan Mm, and so you commute you commute into the city city every day yeah i commute in through port authority oh my goodness (laughs) so what's that what was that childhood like for you over there i mean i've never been there so i don't know what it's like yeah, well, I live in a suburb. It's just very suburban. We mm. actually live next to a highway, though, which is pretty interesting because it's 
I don't know, maybe it's just interesting to me, but Route 46 is like a major U.S. highway. Mm -hmm. So it can actually, using that, you can go to like all these different highways that like, like that can connect to like the rest of the country. So it's pretty interesting because we get like a lot of different kinds of people and there's like a lot of restaurants because we're near like a major highway. Mm. Um, And then also in general, Parsippany has um, like a higher population during the day than it does at night because there's so many businesses. Like we have Verizon, we have Pfizer. Oh yeah. So it's like pretty interesting, but none of that. Yeah. None of that affects like living there. It's just like very suburban and like football and you know, that sort of life. That's really cool. Yeah. That's, that's, I always appreciate that because I mean, I grew up in a suburb as well. I mean, I grew up in this, in a suburb in Miami. So it was always just, you know, it's a little different, but, um, I always noticed that people who grow up in suburbs and in cities that are places that are a little bit more slow paced tend to have more space to imagine and create and like kind of sit in it. So I don't know. That's just a a correlation that I'm starting to draw with a lot of people that I know who grew up in like kind of quiet places. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because bringing that up. Yeah. Growing up in a suburb gave me a lot of time and space for imagination because I wanted to create worlds that weren't as routine as my own. But then Mm -hmm. also it was great because we would frequent the city so often that like I was like, oh, there's a place for these things. Uh, Even if it's not here where I am right now. Got it. Which was like a really good thing for me to see that overlap. Yeah, I love that. That's really, really important. And I think that 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 being able to see it and then like draw yourself out of it and kind of go into like a more peaceful place (laughs) that was more slow paced also allowed you to have that distinction. Um, So I'm really curious to know what your earliest memory of taking interest in filmmaking was or is. Um... Growing up, I really always loved writing, and I always loved, like, poetry or songwriting or creating characters. I was always writing growing up, and then I feel like this is going to sound so fake, but <laughs> I was I grew up also watching, like, every award show ever because mm. uh, I had an older brother who was obsessed with pop culture and entertainment, um, and he still is, which is awesome. But I remember watching the Oscars in, like, 2010, and I was an eighth grader and I was watching I remember seeing Catherine Bigelow win for best director and she's the only woman who's ever won for best director Mm -hmm. and I remember watching the award show and thinking it was so cool because I mean everybody says like an inspirational story and like oh write your characters write your thing like you you know you could do this whatever and then I saw her win and when they said like oh she's the first woman to like ever win and like at that point the whatever x amount of years the Academy has been holding these awards. I was like, oh, wait, that's like not something I could do then. And it's super interesting that I had that thought as like a 14 year old because I was like, oh, I guess that's not like, I guess that's just not a job for women. But like, mm-hmm. I didn't have that connection of like patriarchal standards or mm-hmm. like anything with like systematic like gender discrimination. Right. I just really thought like, oh, okay, I guess like women don't do that because it's like too hard or something or like bossy or like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So like, I just kind of didn't think about it <laughs> for mm-hmm. like a while. And then I started when I when I picked up a camera when I was like 16 or so, I just like it kind of just made sense where I was like, these were things I was interested in before because I was writing. And these are things that like I thought that I want to challenge at 14 that I didn't have like the language for, you know. Right. And so what did you start doing with that camera? Were you just like taking pictures or did you start to actually record and start to like put pieces together of stories? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting because I learned how to edit before I learned how to shoot or do anything. That's so important. Yeah, I don't That's know. so cool. I, yeah, I started editing when I was like 13 or 14, um, somewhere in that ballpark age. And I started editing first, just like making like lip sync videos on my Mac and just like 
photo collages of friends and stuff like that. I just really enjoyed that. And then when I got a camera when I was around 16, 17, it was because my family was going on a vacation and I really wanted a camera to capture everything. Right. And at the time, I mean, I was super into Tumblr, so I was following all these women who were content creators and essentially like a mix of lifestyle and like culture vloggers and bloggers and writers Mm -hmm. um but then at that time it's like that wasn't the language that was really used because like blogger was more akin to like a fashion blogger right so I really wasn't looking at like oh Sam so-and-so or like you know whoever and like oh they're a blogger I was thinking oh no they're just like a 20 a young 20 something year old girl who I follow online who's creating art yeah so I kind of became obsessed with like the motion with motion and time and colors and memories and scene and time is just something that's I've always been hung up on Mm. just always growing up and just in general how so um I don't know. Just like time affects me a lot. I feel like some people have like a really strong connection to like place mm-hmm. or like color or I don't know, some different aspect mm-hmm. of sensory mm-hmm. and just like of the world. And mine has always just been time. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I also have this theory that everybody gets like, everybody has like the one thing they can get like severely like emotional or depressed by. And like mine is definitely time. Just like thinking about the passage of time, ah, guessing about, about it, the passage of anything time. like that, stopping time, you know, manipulating it. So um, my parents gave in and got me a camera because they were very hesitant because they were like, you've kind of given up on like anything that you really want to do. Like mm-hmm. we, you know, you tried guitar, you tried piano, you tried this basketball, whatever. And I was like, no, no, no guys. I know I'm like 16, but like, hear me out. Like, please buy me this camera. Like I promise I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then after the vacation, I needed to find a way to figure it out. So I started doing, um, these like mini monthly video um, diaries, which essentially now looking back were like a crash course in like cinematography. Mm. So essentially like every single day and like every single day I would capture video, capture video, and then compile it into a monthly vlog. It wasn't a vlog, I want to say though, because I wasn't speaking to camera. It was more just capturing moments. Okay. And I would set it to a song and then I did that for a year. So I have the year, I have my year of like 16 into 17, like on camera, which is like, so nice that is nice yeah it's like really it's like a living diary and then Mm -hmm. when I was doing that I was like I want to do documentary work I'm like that's kind of the perfect I skip around subjects I skip around interests I cover things when I want to learn when I want to um and then eventually when I got into college and started doing journalism and a film certificate I realized that I could also hold truth and honesty in uh, written form with like narrative and that's kind of where script and character came in and that development started to happen so at that point who were you inspired by or what kind of work were you inspired by um i would say like as a late teen like in the transition between high school and college yeah um oh god there's like so many people it's funny because it was a mix of like famous people and like non-famous people Mm -hmm. um so non non-famous people but like online famous people were like definitely sam DeSantis, who is a photographer based out of philly um who just like she would just capture the world around her and she was like mostly travel photographer um and then she was best friends with this girl named charla vale who was like a mixed media multidisciplinary artist um i also followed a lot of like concert photographers um and that was really fascinating to me um yeah, and it kind of it kind of just became a mix. I mean, that was the age where I was like, oh, my God, Wes Anderson, and I yeah. still am. So, like, um, I think I just really liked seeing both, like, very constructed sets and very constructed set design like Wes Anderson, but then also, like, the normal people who are adding that flair to their own lives. Right. 
So would you say that at that point you had any classical training or was it all just self-taught? Definitely until I got, until I was like eight, um, like 19 and got to college, it was self-taught. Wow. Yeah. Can you talk about the importance of, of leaning into being able to figure it out yourself versus going to an institution for all of that? Totally. Yeah. And I also think that that's a great question to ask because even when I was at an institution, film was not my major. I only did like six classes in film Mm. and the rest of it was self-taught with me doing my productions on the side and such. But definitely as a teenager and just like growing into like being like a young adult, I... I don't know. I just like want to like I want to harvest and like cherish the interests I had, and I think that's something special, really special teen girls have. Yeah. Where they're like, I like this thing. I don't know what it's for, but I just want to do it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I think that's something really beautiful. That I'm really happy. I like listened to myself, and I was like, I find happiness in this, and I find it to be a puzzle. So that's kind of how I found editing. Because I was like, oh, it's a manipulation of time. It's a puzzle. It's like sort of figuring out the thing in my head onto into a computer, and um. Yeah, I think I think being self-taught in things that you're naturally and just like organically gravitating towards is like something really valuable, just like at any age, because that means you have already the interest in it. So you want to learn it more easily. Yeah. Um, And then from there, you probably are going to be exposed to different fields or different um, techniques or like facets of that that you can like, again, develop later on as well. Yeah, I really love that you said that because I think oftentimes people are intimidated by the fact that they didn't go to school for something or that they didn't have the connections or that they didn't start doing this thing early on and then they just don't do it, right? And so I think with you, it was just like, I mean, you obviously started doing this at a young age, but I think this could be reflected in people of any age at this point. You have an interest just lean into it even if you don't know what you're doing necessarily it's just uh, like it's just something that you enjoy and let it just be that and let it become whatever it's supposed to become what like i don't know how do you think that that has impacted the the way that you approach creating now yeah. as like you're 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 no longer a teenager now like you've graduated yeah. from college and like you now have the ability to like go into this professionally but yeah yeah, I think the most important thing to remember is that, like, nobody is waking up exactly having the same um, reality as you or ideas as you. Yeah. So it's, like, for me, with starting the Light Leaks, for example, like, I was terrified and I was just, like, well, what did I need as a teen that I would need now that I would want in the future? And then it was just, like, a lot of imposter syndrome and a lot of weird feelings because I was, like, oh, not everybody wakes up and wants to start a company. Yeah. Um. So leaning into that turned out to be incredibly beneficial because, one, it fed my soul to it's boosted my career in ways I did not expect nor desire at the time. That's not what the light leaks was for. Mm -hmm. Um, But it happened past my teen years when like, you know, when you're a teenager, you're taking all these risks and when you become an adult, you just like don't want to put your name and face and brand and money and those things attached to something that might fail. So I think with doing that and trying something new, the most important part, at least that I've learned was to not really restrict things to, you know, timelines to keep goals fluid and to just really grow things at the pace that they're meant to while you figure it out because the model might not be there for the thing that you want to do. Yeah. And I really want to dive into that because often it's hard to imagine a model that does not exist. And you often feel crazy because you're imagining something that you have no representation of in the current moment. Yeah. Um, I want to really dive into the light leaks and everything that you're doing there. But 
in terms of imagining something that is not represented in the real world, how do you find yourself? Like, in what, what place do you go to to build something that you can't point to in the real world when you're trying to, uh, I guess, explain a concept to people or try to get them to understand your vision? How do you stay sane throughout all of that? Um, I think I lean on community a lot and just, like, conversation because definitely the light leaks was born of the things I wanted, but also the things that I heard and witnessed and saw in media. Like I already saw that people, you know, hashtag Oscar so white, you yeah. know what I mean? Whitewashing in media, like those were already issues that people had the language for and knew. It was yeah. just like sort of like a mobilizing of how can young female and GNC filmmakers really see, feel seen, heard and supported. Yeah. So that was like a mixture. When I established the problem, especially in conversation, like, Hey, this is the problem hey, these are avenues for solution, and this is my direct avenue for solution. That made it easier for sure. Um, but I think that was just because there was already, like, an established issue that, like, culturally was something that people were speaking about mm-hmm. and, like, looking for um, in regards to, like, smaller um, orgs and, like, not, like, large media companies responding to. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, specifically with what you're doing. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So um, although you're primarily a filmmaker and a storyteller, you're also the digital strategy coordinator at MTV Social Impact, which is super, super cool. Um, can you bring us along the journey of how you found yourself in this position? Yeah. I don't know if I could talk about MTV. You can't? Yeah, because usually the comms team has to like sign off. Like, How deep do we go into MTV for the just that question? Yeah, just that question. Everything else after that is... Um, so people are going to see that you work at MTV... So I'm tar- I just want to draw a parallel to like, yeah. this is what like about your job is important to you. And then we're going into your personal project. Okay, right cool, cool. Yeah. No, they're just like a little picky with that, but it's no big deal. Okay. Um, yeah. So I actually, funny enough, I found my job at MTV through a tweet. Uh, somebody who I follow, Teron Moore, who is somebody I, I've admired for a while now because he worked at GQ and Teen Vogue and has just had a lot of really strong like cultural pieces um he's like a great editor and amazing writer but um he tweeted out that mtv social impact was looking for somebody to do digital strategy i sent him my resume i had previously interned at mtv but didn't have any connections there because my boss at the time had left after i left the internship so i really thought it was like not gonna happen um and then yeah i like interviewed did the written assignments and then was able to start in august so it's been like six or seven months um, I really love it because it's a like blend of um, like pop culture and like pro social mm-hmm. and just like social issues. And I think that it's really nice that like a large media organization has something that um, internally like is looking at like the ethics when speaking about like social issues and is trying to find opportunities with celebrities already speaking out and like is creating like original campaigns for important issues yeah i love that and i think that that for you um as you are also building a collective that's trying to bridge the gap between what people consume and like what people feel should be out there this is something great to expose yourself to as your day as your day progresses and is a great leeway into like shifting into your personal project which is also an offshoot of that except it's obviously more specific to filmmaking but i think that's great because a lot of people have day jobs that are like completely not associated with what they love to do i.e me it's like my job has (laughs) nothing to do with the things that i'm really passionate about um but you like you do and i think like that's really dope that you're so young and you're getting this experience at 
a major media outlet that actually does care about the things that young people consume. And you are behind that. You're part of the team that that does that. Totally. Like, I go home feeling, like, morally good, you know? And that's, like, really nice. Um, Yeah, it's really nice for sure. That's amazing. Um, So in 2017, you founded The Light Leaks, which you've obviously already mentioned, which is basically a website for the education, empowerment, and inspiration of women and non-gender conforming filmmakers out of your dorm room, which is insane. I want to hear about that. Um, What led you to start this? The Light Leaks was kind of the perfect storm that was already brewing that I kind of didn't see. Again, going back to time, um, just like time and time again throughout my life, I had these instances where... Um, these instances of just like microaggressions or like gender specific things or like ethnicity specific issues or just like film specific, just like these things that eventually laddered up into the light leaks. Um, I was actually telling somebody the other day, but basically like I started to get, I didn't really think about identity a lot until I was like 19 or so. Just because like growing up, I kind of kept my identity in like silos because I am white but I'm fully Colombian. So at school, I was just like, oh, I'm like white and Colombian, whatever. And then at home, I was just like, okay, let's speak Spanish. Let's do this. Let's do that. So I didn't really think about it. And then in high school, like, again, it's like, I look white. So like, I wasn't thinking my identity then. And I wasn't really given, I wasn't really feeling restrictions in my life, period. Right. And then it kind (laughs) of, the restrictions started coming when I picked up a camera, because it was kind of one of those things of like, what is this girl doing editing? Like who, you know, like what, I don't know. People were sort of surprised. Some people really embraced it and really loved it. But then others, for example, like this one, this one teacher um, who was actually subbing my class. He wasn't even my teacher. Like senior year, he saw me like um, submitting to a film festival. And I'll never forget this because he was just like, do you have a film to submit? Like, what are you doing? And I was like, yeah, I made a documentary and I had made a documentary on selfie culture and I'd interviewed, you know, kids of different ages, including like, you know, seven, eight, nine year olds and then some adults about like just like instant reality and digital media. And he, I was like, oh, I just I have a documentary on selfies. He's like, oh, like what? Like how to take a good selfie, like how to not. And he just started like belittling me. And it was like in front of a class. And I was like 18. I got really, really mad. But I did have like the words of how like what that meant or what that was to me. And then essentially when I went to college, I, I was in like at Rutgers University, I was in the women's um, college program. Essentially, it's just like uh, now a ceremony, a ceremonial thing, because essentially Rutgers absorbed like the first women's college in New Jersey. But there are specific like classes you could take on feminism and women's leadership and stuff. Um, while still being in the larger university so I took like a feminism 101 class and I was like oh my god what is going on and then (laughs) basically they had this is a long story but essentially like we had to do like a report on like what do you want to be when you grow up and I looked up the statistics of women in the film industry and it was abysmal and then I looked up for minorities and it was abysmal and then I was like this is a crisis. Like, why is nobody talking about this all of the time? Mm. If women are over 50% of the population and like over 51% of movie ticket, like moviegoers are women. Like, why is there such a disparity? I'm like, this does not make sense. Like, and it was just so surprising to me because it just, from then I kind of started this angry tirade of like understanding all my identities, looking towards my identities and then looking to the industry where I was entering something directly that was statistically against me that I would, like, never statistically make it in that, like, you know, and it it made me really upset, and then 
looking to the classes I was in as a whole, like the reflection was there as well, where like it was maybe like five girls in the class and I was the only Latina. So it was directed there as well. And then, you know, through those experiences and through the fact that I had already interned um, with doing like brand social voice and online communities and marketing and like a lot of the things I now use in the light leaks, it kind of just came together where I was like, I'm already ranting about this online. I'm already talking about in person. When I talk to this with other female filmmakers, they feel better and seen. So like, how can I put that in one place? Mm. So the light leaks started taking shape is just first like, oh, maybe I'll just put some interviews there and like maybe spotlight young talent. And then it kind of just grew into like having an online store and events and like a stronger editorial presence. Yeah. And I mean, how has how do you think people have felt after they talk to you about this? Because I mean, often I'm sure that these are internalized feelings that who are like, who are they going to talk to if the, if their coworkers or the people that are on these sets don't reflect them and then they talk to you or people like you and then they're just like, Oh shit, you also feel it too. (laughs) Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting because sometimes I feel bad because especially like as a teenager, somebody started talking about sexism. I'd be like, what? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't get it. I don't understand feminism. So it's like sometimes when I talk to like younger, <laughs> younger women or teens, they're like, well, like, I'm really like fine. Like, I don't experience that. And I'm like, you will one day, though, like systematically, like you will. That's it. You, this is what you're going to fall into, whether it's like equal pay or whether it is um, the restrictions you have on like anything, really, like what you can wear to set, like w- feeling comfortable, like, you know, anything like that. Um so it feels like really it's like twofold one it's really sad like mm-hmm. the light leak should not have to exist mm-hmm. and i and i always say that because like it should be equal like these it should there should be no reason for the light leaks to exist but because it does it's really beautiful um to be able to talk to female and gender non-conforming filmmakers who do feel welcome and i mean i've had a couple digital um video shoots for the site and have had like full female and gnc crew and um cast and actors and stuff and i've always gotten feedback that they've felt like different on set with the female director you know and um funny enough somebody told me last week i was on another call and this one girl was just like oh my god i went to my internship and i saw this girl with a light leak sticker on her laptop and then we became friends because of that wow yeah it was really wild i was like oh my god yeah it felt really great and like those are beautiful stories and again like a lot of young women reach out to me asking for advice or asking for like hey this happened on set like what how do i respond to this you know Mm -hmm. um and i think it's nice because the light leaks also is just like a massive it's like if you can see it you can be it like wrapped up also with like career exposure and learning what different careers mean wrapped up in like you know there's other people who are also like you thinking these things right you know so it feels really nice to have brought that to life and have had people respond to it as well as they have yeah i mean at this point you have kind of positioned yourself to be um a voice an advocate for for um bringing awareness to all of these issues I, did you ever think that you would be that? I mean, like you, you're for creating the platform, but now people are looking to you as the individual for this. Um, how does that make you feel? Sometimes it's really emotionally exhausting mm. because I, I do run the site alone. And like I have a four credit intern right now who's absolutely wonderful, Sophie. But other than that, it's just like me curating everything, me posting everything, me deciding everything. Um, so it's really nice because that's also in part by choice because I do want to keep it close to heart. Yeah. Um, but it's also weird because then that kind of ladders up into like Kim contact Kim and Kim is the person. So at one point it's like really wonderful because it's like, I do get to do speaking events where like, like 
a young Latina student will be like, wow, I, I didn't know Latinas were in media. And that just blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Or like one time this one guy came up to me and was like, I have a younger sister and like she needs more Latina role models. She's going to follow you on Instagram. And it's like that stuff kills me. And it kills me because it's so beautiful and so nice, but it's also so sad. Mm. Um, Why? Because we live in a society where there aren't many yeah, role models. Like, yeah, yeah, basically. But it's also really nice to serve as that. So it's kind of right. like a mixed bag because at times it's like, hearing these things like over again like this is how I'm feeling in my class or like I'm alone in the fact that like I didn't want to shoot this film and everybody in my class thinks it's fine or like Mm. things like that it can feel it could feel hard and sometimes I feel overextended like beyond having like a full-time job and like some health issues and like mental health stuff but like I really just try to keep it positive and keep it to the fact that like I'm being reached out to because somebody is resonating with what I'm saying and that's like more than I could it's like a privilege of beyond anything and more than I could have ever asked for out of life so I really try to take in stride with like a lot of gratitude um and just to take my time so that I'm always like responding to dms emails calls whatever and like the capacity that I'm able to because I I never want to be that person who because they're having a bad day or going through something they're snapping at somebody else you know so I because again a lot of women that I've cold emailed or reached out to for advice have been absolutely gracious with their time so I really try to pay that forward in everything I do you know yeah I love that that's so important because I mean there aren't many people that the people who are reaching out to you are reaching out to you because you're the only person they know that they could contact about this thing so yeah it is a privilege and it but it is also exhausting because you're only one person and this is a massive problem yeah <laughs> so it's gonna be never ending until i mean hopefully it is it is gonna end at some point um so i want to talk about your vulnerability and transparency about mental health on social media because i think it's great what you're doing is great um i think it's really important and i think founders and creatives i think people often associate founders and creatives um with our input uh, with our output i'm sorry and mm-hmm. with what we create but we don't really talk about what happens behind the scenes or the person behind all of the things that people consume and love um so what prompted you to take such a open and honest approach online i just like i don't know actually like i guess it i guess it was kind of just like me walking into it slowly Hmm. because like i've dealt with mental health issues since i was a teenager in part why I also picked up a camera because I needed an outlet. Mm -hmm. So, like, they're very much so intertwined, I'd say. Um, And then, I don't know, I just wouldn't feel like I was being myself if I wasn't talking about those things. Because if I'm talking about them in person and I have no embarrassment with that, then I, I, I just feel the need to talk about them online. I just, I don't like the girl boss bucket of, like, okay, a girl boss is strong, powerful, like, doesn't talk about her feelings, always looks put together, like... And just being put in that, like, perfectionist thing. Yeah. Because, yeah, I am a perfectionist and I'm type A. But it's also, like, I have an anxiety disorder. So, like, I don't have work paralysis. I have, like, the opposite. I have, like, go, 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 do, do, do. And I feel like that's part of the story also. And I don't know. I just I feel the need to be transparent about that and, like, depression and, like, disordered eating. Because it's, like... I didn't have people online talking about those things. So I didn't know what was normal, what was abnormal. I mean, you're having panic attacks as a teenager and you think you're going to die. You know, you think you're going to pass out. And I don't know if if I saw somebody older. It's so interesting because I like, again, hung up on time. But like a lot of what I do now are things I just would would have wanted to see as a teen or just like 
would want for like my future kids or whoever to see and like have like an honest reflection. Yep. I don't know. Social media, I just feel like has the potential to be more human than it is. I agree. And like, I try to make my space, my space online human. Um, I do feel like some people get kind of weird about it and they're like, mm. oh, it's kind of oversharey or like whatever. But then it's also like, yes, but you're also the same people complaining about seeing the same like three body types online or yeah. like same captions online. So it's like, if the honesty isn't enough for you, then what are you, what, are, what kind of honesty do you want? Like right. honesty filtered? Right. You know? Right. And I often think too, like those, them, that message is just not for them then. If yeah. they don't resonate, if that message doesn't resonate with them, then it wasn't for them. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to resonate with someone. And that just because they feel that way, means that somebody should stop doing that. Like at no point should you ever feel like, because some people don't appreciate it. Does, it means you're doing something wrong. Because you're absolutely right. There isn't enough transparency and vulnerability online. And the vulnerability often that we often see is like really pretty. It's like really pretty vulnerability where it's like acceptable still. But like the radical transparency and like the real shit that people um, keep hidden is what everybody's craving to see. I think or a lot of people are craving to see because we are living in a time where we are very isolated and we feel very alone and we don't have representation in our real world and in in the real world where we interact with it so we go online and we see these images and stories that make us feel further alone because we cannot even see ourselves in them so i love what you're doing i think that it's empowering i think that it's impactful and i think that that is um it's a reflection of what we actually need to be using social media for because it's real and it is human yeah yeah i definitely I think slowly I've started to been able to open up more on social media. And again, I mean, there is some negative reaction, but then at the same time there, the positive kind of over overflows and like definitely negates the rest of that. Because a lot of people have been like, you've made me think you've made me assess my feelings more or like you've made me think more about the passing thoughts I've had and made me want to address them. Or like, um, I don't know. I just think that people shouldn't, look at other people like they're perfect and I feel like I could fall into that because it's like young woman doing x y and z has company has like great family life Mm -hmm. but it's like that doesn't mean I'm not struggling to manage other parts of my life or my health or anything like that right yeah and that's so important for people to to know because I mean we could imagine that but you saying it yourself or any person saying it themselves is very different than imagining like well I'm, I'm, I, she probably has to deal with this or I'm sure she deals with that but I mean like you don't own it so, and you don't come forward with it then it, I guess at some point it doesn't actually feel real so the fact that you are is really really dope yeah I'm inspired by a lot of celebrities who talk about these issues mm. like Camila Mendez talks a lot about mental health so does like Stephanie Beatrice um, and it's funny because I like admire those women a lot so when I see them I'm like okay well they have time and they have money and they have all these resources, but like, you know, Demi Lovato is another great example. It's like, they're still, you know, they could still be touched by these things. Um, so I feel like that's also made it easier for me. Like Demi Lovato has definitely been a huge inspiration. Mm -hmm. Um, because like, I've been a fan of her since I was a teen and she was like one of the first celebrities I can remember who I could relate to, who was talking about these issues. And I was like, okay, like this is something that like can get easier through conversation. Yeah. 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 That's, so important um what what do you hope to see from your platform in the next five years 
I definitely would want to strengthen the editorial presence and find more ways to monetize that for revenue. Um, just because there's so many amazing pieces of content on the site, there's over like 40 to 50 pieces um, of original, ed- original editorial content of like incredible stories by female and GNC filmmakers. And I definitely would want the website to be more self-sustaining force. Um, I'd love to do more events across the country. I feel like that could be something really great. Um, the Light Leaks has like pockets in different areas, which I've been able to identify. It's like Atlanta, Chicago, mm-hmm. Bay Area, LA. Um, yeah, so I definitely want to give love to those sites and like do live events there. Um, yeah, I would say those would be the next like five years I'd love to do. And then generally, like long term, I'd love to make the Light Leaks a production company mm-hmm. and have it be have the editorial site be the editorial outlet, still do events, and then maybe like give grants to like filmmakers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be dope. And one really important question is like, how did you come up with the name of the Light Leaks? Yeah, so I came up with the Light Leaks name because that was in a summer class. Um, I took classes like every semester I could because I want to finish early. Yeah. Um, but basically I was in a summer class and I didn't want something that was like gender oriented, anything with girl, because I didn't want it to be limiting. I didn't want it to be girl, lady, woman, anything, femme, whatever. Um, so I was just thinking like, what can I do? What can I do? And I really liked the word light. I just really liked light in it. And then it came to me in a summer class where I was like the light leaks. And I was like, that is it. That yeah. is the name. And the like light leaks in film photography are, um, these like bright, disruptive, colorful like mistakes that essentially happen when you over, when you expose film early, when you open the back of a film camera and the light leaks through. So it was essentially like it would ruin a photo, right? It would ruin a photo back when like film photography was a thing. It was like oh, like this like this light leak ruined the photo because mm. now it's in the way of the image and you can't see anything. It's light, bright, and colorful. And then it's funny now because we now we have like the Huji app. We have all these apps that like replicate light leaks and now it's something that we really like want it's like an aesthetic it's something that's desired so i really thought that was akin to the marginalized voices in film where it's like right now it's like oh my god great example jordan peele oh my god how did a horror film by a black man like rate like get this much in revenue opening weekend oh my god like how did brie larson as a superhero like gross over 90 million it's like no these are not mistakes like these are very intentional like people want to see these stories like right now they're bright beautiful disruptive and they're newsworthy but one day hopefully they become the norm where it's just like awesome this thing happened this film is good not based on the gender race or sexuality of the person but because it is a good film Mm -hmm. um so that's sort of how it came together i love 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 (laughs) that wow i would have never guessed it but i knew that it had to have come from a really pure and intentional place so that's beautiful um i want to end our chat with some rapid fire questions let's go all right what is your favorite time of the day to create morning noon or night oh oh no <laughs> i would say night night okay. yeah this isn't is... rapid sorry <laughs> what is your favorite snack i really like cheetos Ooh, um the crunchy ones not the, yes. not the puffs right i'm really picky it depends i really like wise cheese puffs okay those are my favorite okay like the red bag okay <laughs> i love the specificity um what is one book movie or podcast that has deeply impacted your life book movie or podcast um or it could be more than one totally okay so podcast recently gold digger it's mm-hmm. by jenna kutcher i love it because she really makes entrepreneurship um easier um book i would say 
I would say, <laughs> oh my God, extremely loud and incredibly close. Mm. I don't know. It was just really, really great. And it made me think a lot about relationships and how people speak to each other and just like the passage of time. Yeah. Um, and then movie Fantastic Mr. Fox. I really love, yeah, I just really love um, stop motion film and the color scheme. I love that. Um, what is your favorite app? Probably Google Cal. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I suck. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, that saved me so many times. Um, what's your favorite self-care routine? Face masks. Mm, any yeah. anyone in particular? I love anything from Nature's Republic or The Face Shop. I think they might even be the same company, but definitely Nature's Republic has amazing, high-quality, high-serum um, face masks. Yep. i got to look into that. If there was one message that you could get out to the world, what would it be? You have the power to change the media industry by what you watch. Mm. You're paying money. Money talks. I love that. Yeah, that's a great way to end this. To end this. Um, if my listeners want to follow you online, where can they find you? Cool. You could follow me on Twitter with at Kim underscore Hoyos, H-O-Y-O-S, or at Kim Hoyos Instagram. The Light Leaks handles are at The Light Leaks. That's for Twitter. And then for Instagram, it's at the underscore light leaks amazing thank you so much for this chat i'm sure everybody will be inspired by you and keep doing what you're doing thank you of course all righty y'all i hope you like that episode feel free to follow kim on instagram go follow her website check out what she's up to and i will be catching up with you all next week as always i'm sending you lots of love light and good vibes I suggest that you go check out my Instagram. I'm doing a really cool series, a truth series that I think you all will appreciate. And it's going to lead to a very cool announcement at the end that will then explain why the show will be pivoting. And uh, yeah, we will, we will catch up. I'm excited to be back. Ciao.